Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. We'll be going through some of the city's recent happenings on the digital front later on, but right now we are very pleased to be joined by Helen Milner, Chief Executive of Good Things Foundation. And we only have three microphones today, so I am going to swiftly disappear into the ether for half an hour. Hi, Helen. <laughs> Hi, Helen. Hi. Um, so you're the chief exec of Good Things Foundation, as just mentioned. Um, could you give us a positive history of it from the Tinder Foundation days and oh, how it all came okay. about before then? Tell us the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said potted history, though. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my mind. So um, I think the most important thing is, so I moved to Sheffield to help set up Learn Direct. Um, so that's a kind of, that's an important right. sort of starting point, yeah. really. Um, and then uh, I looked after what was then called the UK Online Centre Network. Um, so that's uh, what we still have and we still work with and it's a really important part of, of our work. So it's thousands of community organisations and libraries across the country who help people in their local communities. So that's UK Online Centres. We then um, spun out, so I led a spin out away from Learn Direct uh, to look after that UK Online Centres uh, network um, and then we were first called so this was only six and a half years ago so this is the beginning of December 2011 so we were called Online Centres Foundation um, for, a, for a brief moment and then we were called Tinder Foundation and mm -hmm. we did a little search online and it looked like there was this dating app that might happen it hadn't even been launched at that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, seems so, safe <laughs> yeah and then I think we were Tinder Foundation maybe for two years <laughs> until it just got too embarrassing lots of smirks you know reception desks when I turned up at places and then we became Good Things Foundation so I think the important part obviously although we've had many names is that that relationship with what's now called the Online Centres Network is really really going strong um that it helps us to reach disadvantaged people um and uh, yeah we're and we're actually going just from strength to strength yeah when i became aware obviously i knew i knew of what you were what the work you were doing with uk online centers but i guess it was maybe 18 months ago that i suddenly realized that um you're employing developers and you had a whole you know design development capability and you're, you're building your own platforms yeah um, so we're like um probably one of sheffield's best kept secrets i think like, yeah. so we're so we employ 61 people here in sheffield and then we have 12 people based in our office in sydney um and yeah we have a big developer team we have a marketing team we have a content development team um and we have a network team to support that um, online centres network. Um, and yeah, we have some, I think we have 28 projects at the moment that we're running in the UK. Um, and then pl and plus Australia and plus Kenya as well. Right. What kind of things are those projects doing? What's the purpose of it all? So um, we call ourselves a social change charity. And really the two things that we do um, is digital inclusion and social inclusion. Um, so digital inclusion, that's our kind of bread and butter. Um, so that's working with the uh, online centre network, helping people who can't thrive in the digital world to learn how to use the internet um, so it's not just about skills it's about that confidence and it's about that mindset change as well um, and we've helped um, almost one and a half million people now since we started um, so it's doing it at scale I talk about deep impact at scale mm -hmm. so that's and we have an online learning platform called learn my way which is uh, keeps us very busy um, so that's our main platform about a hundred 150,000 people a year use that platform okay. and then we have a whole bunch of 
of social inclusion projects as well, uh, helping uh, women um, in migrant communities to learn to speak English. And we also have a huge program with the NHS, helping people to understand how digital can help them improve their health. Okay. And so is it the Learn My Way platform that most of your designers and developers are working on or is there yeah, other digital components that, of those projects? so everything has a digital component so we are everything we do even if it's inside you know we've built our own crm maybe that was a foolish thing to do but we've built our own <laughs> crm to help us manage our network um yeah every single person will be using digital all the time the so the um digital team uh, working on our platform so learn my way is definitely our biggest but we have another platform called english my way which is the english language program um, and we have um, online learning content but like I said we have a CRM we've obviously got all of the architecture for that and of course now we have websites and we have a single group technology strategy obviously because we want to be able to reuse all of those tools uh -huh. um, when we are in different different um, countries right okay and do you also have a kind of a lobbying role where you're communicating with government at various levels. Well, I have to be careful not to use the word lobbying. Oh, because sorry, of course yeah, charities no, no. aren't allowed to um, do not lobbying. A... Yeah, persuasion role. Yeah. I think um, advocacy. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think a lot of people in London think I live in London and mm. think that Good Things Foundation is based in London because we have such a big role to play and that we work really closely with government. So about 80% of all of our funding and all of our projects are with government departments. So we have a real strength in working with policymakers. Mm. Um, and we're typically at the sort of leading edge of that policy. So we often are working with policymakers to help them to develop that policy. And then we're there to also help them to implement it if they want us mm. uh, to do that. So one example of that, I'm on the Digital Skills Partnership Board. Yeah. Um, so that's chaired by the digital minister. So um, Matt Hancock, and then now yes, he's obviously one. moved on. <laughs> yeah, so now Margot James chairs that. And that's um, mostly with large corporates like BT and Google and Microsoft, um, and then other government departments. And then I'm just one of two charities that are on that, on yeah. that board. So that's about implementing the digital skills element of the government's digital strategy. Mm -hmm. So that's one example. But yeah, just yesterday, the government launched a civil society strategy. Uh, so I wrote a blog yesterday commenting on that. We've been working with the civil servants who um, were driving that civil society strategy to make sure that they made that they put technology in that so that they can see that technology is um, has to play, you know, in 2018, a really important role in helping um, community organisations, charities to really add benefit and drive success through digital. And I still think, you know, there's a big way to go on that side as well. Hmm. And, and, you know, as part of that lobbying, I mean, you were um, Digital Leader of the Year last year. Yeah. Um, as voted by the Digital Leaders Organization. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, which is maybe another reason why people think that you must be based in London. <laughs> um, so I think that one of the interesting things about good things is that you've got technology at the heart of what you do. So you're not just delivering skills around technology, but you're a technology business. And I think, you know, you're one of my examples of, um, of what a digital business is, even though it works in a different vertical. So you're building the technology platforms yourself to give you the ability to scale and to do things at scale anywhere in the world, because it, everywhere runs the same technology. Um, and I guess that's one of the reasons that you're able to bid for things in Australia and expand into other other areas because you've yeah. got technology at the heart like that. That's right. I think that um, 
I'm glad that you think of us in that way, um, because I think of us in that way too, because we that do shows. have technology at the heart of what we do. And that um, it's important at this moment to also say, and people, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're incredibly focused on people and the benefits that technology can bring to people um, and to make sure that, that we're focused more on the people than technology, but put technology at the heart. So in Australia, we just actually celebrated our first birthday yesterday. So our Sydney office, we opened one year ago. Already? Two people from the Sheffield office were there, me and one other person. We had an empty room and, and actually, believe it or not, we had just brought some sort of post-it notes and some Sharpies from Sheffield to make us feel <laughs> at home when we got there. Um, and so we were there, you know, we put our sprint wall up. We went off to the Apple store to buy some laptops um, and we hired some temps. So that was one year ago yesterday uh, we now have 12 people in our Sydney office we have recruited from scratch 1,500 community organizations to be part of a digital inclusion network in Australia wow. we've got a good re relationship with the federal government and we're rolling out a program called be connected which is for the over 50s um, and that I have to kind of pinch myself that we've managed to do that and I think it is really because we've got technology at the heart so it is of course we've um, we could take the CRM for yeah. the network, we had a network CRM um, and we could take our a mapping tool that comes out of the CRM to put all those centers on the map. Um, but also just things like Google, you know, that we could share Google Docs, we could share plans, we could hang out with one another. Um, actually, all those things were just normal, that we could have a face-to-face -face conversation either with a colleague from the UK mm. or with um, our, our new team that was emerging. Um, and that that was just a normal thing for us to do. And of course use social media to kind of underpin that and get, and get the message out. So, yeah, I kind of, yesterday was a bit like one of those like pinch me moments that um, we just kind of went for it. And, I mean, we, I, you know, did a lot of work um, prepping and doing business development to get the money. We, you know, it was, I, I, I joked because we got a contract of $25 million from the Australian government. Um, and I kind of joked it was like being a startup, but with $25 million. <laughs> yeah. well, but, but, you know, that's... A perfect example of how a, a digitally based business can scale yeah. and can go international very quickly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and take yeah. an offer that's been proven in one market and simply transplant it and, and sell it in another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love Twitter. I mean, and that... Um, that and the reason why this is relevant at this moment is because uh like when i first went out there um i went and s i found some people on twitter who were doing similar things and said can i come and see you you're doing this thing it looks really interesting would you like me to do a speaking tour they went yes please you know and i just went on holiday right uh, and just kind of thought well nothing ventured nothing gained they set it all up and i went and gave some speeches uh, and that was the beginning you know and i literally found the those people on Twitter yeah and you'd never been to Australia before you well, I had yeah okay. so I have a little uh so my husband's Australian and oh, right. um and actually so my eldest boy was um born there and he was living there at the time hence the holiday so I could sort of for myself I could say I'm gonna go visit my son um and right. then uh, while I'm that while I'm here uh, yeah. I may as well just I'm to a few people yeah, yeah. I'm speaking to you know yeah. do a bit of um, so that's, that's why you chose Australia to or to, to look at tw Twitter people yeah. that are tweeting about this stuff from Australia that's right I mean actually to, then, to be fair I had started looking in uh, the states because I thought America's a much yeah. bigger uh, right. market um and then uh found that if I wasn't in uh the states they 
forgot about me. Yeah. So when I was there, it's amazing. And then when you come home, you have a few like Google Hangouts and then they forget about you. Whereas in Australia, I think culturally it felt a lot more familiar. And obviously I did like have a bit more of a kind of yeah. understanding of the culture. Yeah. So you mentioned Kenya earlier as well. Is that, yeah. is so, that your next target or well, are you working there? So or? yeah, so we've just finishing our first year of a pilot in Kenya. Um, so we're a charity and uh, we're six and a half. And so we have we have actually now got more reserves, more than we need. Um, and so uh, we wanted to start spending. Um, and so we thought that we wanted to make sure that we were testing our models and testing our uh, platforms and mm -hmm. our assets, our digital platforms and assets in the developing world as well as in the developed world. So, um, yeah, I went to the board and I persuaded them to put some money from the reserve to a pilot in Kenya so we've just finished the first year we're working with the library network there um, and we're just about to launch our second year um, and uh, so the good news is that Learn My Way just as it is uh, is very popular um, but just like in, in, in England, it's, it's fascinating how similar things are, is that the people we really, really need to reach are those people who are furthest away, mm -hmm. not ge geographically, but socially. Mm -hmm. They're the people who have the least education, um, who are unemployed or underemployed or have, have low-skilled jobs. And so they're the ones who are most likely to be the least able to use technology. And although English is the official language in Kenya, um, actually, if you're one of those people, you probably are, are speaking and reading Swahili. Mm. Um, so in the next phase, we're going to be translating Lamoen to Swahili. Um, and we're also extending beyond uh, the uh, libraries because we've also now attracted people who are interested in, in the pilot. And um, there's some amazing people who, again, who've just set up um, digital literacy places in some of the slums in Nairobi and they want to be part of the next phase of the pilot. Right. So, yeah. Are you finding that the technology is different as well? Is it, is it less geared around, more geared around mobile than it is geared around laptops? And it is. I think screens? though that um, because our model is about that blended learning of online learning content with human beings who can kind of encourage you, motivate you, hold your hand, tell you you can do it, is that uh, you still. So in the libraries, for example, they're using computers. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, obviously, uh, mobile phones and smartphones are the dominant technology that people are using in their everyday life. Uh, we still don't um, have the insight yet about whether or not taking people from being a limited user, e.g. just using Facebook on their phone, which a lot of them are doing and think that Facebook is the internet, mm. and then trying to actually help them to learn. I mean, obviously with partners on, on uh, in Kenya, um, uh, to understand the internet has so much more to offer. Um, and at the same time, the government is bringing in online government <laughs> services. Um, so what, what device people are going to be using to make that next step whether or not that's still going to be the mobile phone mm -hmm. uh, because you know that's what we find here is that i mean lots of people have phones and have smartphones but that's not what they would use if they're going to be looking for work for example yeah yeah or if they're going to use a government service they want a bigger screen to do it with. well if yeah. you're going to fill in a you know 45 minutes people are saying universal credit is taking yes. to fill in yes. it's like you know you hopefully not doing that on your smartphone mm. Mm. so um that raises the other um, question about um, media literacy as well. If people are using the internet for Facebook and they think Facebook is it, um, to what extent does media literacy and understanding what to trust and what not to trust form part of educating them about 
the rest of the internet. If you like. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question because um, that a lot of the people that we work with, um, they uh, have resisted using the internet previously. So that nowadays you've actually actively not done it. Yes. Um, and so that uh, there's a lot of scare stories in the press and... Um, you know, uh, and and I and I kind of wondered if maybe the fake news agenda kind of made it more more mainstream, but in a good way actually. Is that because you had a journalist on the BBC News, or whatever, saying, "Oh, I didn't know about this," um, and so it's not just you know people like me who didn't do well at school who don't know about stuff like that. Actually, you know, people who are, who look to be quite clever and things right. don't know about it. Yeah. Um, but I think that. Uh, so on one hand, you don't want it to sound risky and scary, yeah, so yeah. because you want people to do something that they are a little bit nervous about doing yeah, in the first place. Yeah, or resisted. Yeah. So you need to make sure that it, it sounds interesting and beneficial and relevant to them. But then you also want to make sure that they're safe. So um, we, we typically call it sort of safety and security. Um, and we are doing uh, some, uh, so we're, we're just extending our safety and security online courses now. And we're going to be putting... Um, something in um, I suggested it was called fake news but um, I think my team have, have ruled that out um, luckily they can disagree with me often <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know where you stand if it's called fake news though I mean. <laughs> yeah but back well, on the but do you yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but back on the fear point is that yeah is it is it you know we try to turn things in a positive way not yeah. negative yeah. way yeah so uh, you mentioned the Digital Skills Partnership and um, we were actually in a meeting yesterday where the idea of the local Digital Skills Partnerships came up and it's all a bit nebulous. We're not quite sure what this means. So is there anything you can share and, and enlighten us about around yeah, that? So um, as I said before, so I'm on the Digital Skills Partnership Board that's chaired by Margot James. Um and then there are a number of what's called delivery groups, and I'm co-chairing the one on local digital skills partnerships. Right. Um, so what we want to do is, um, so this is the big we, the grand we, the board and the government and everybody, um, is to uh, develop local digital skills partnerships because... Um, a bunch of great and the good sitting around a table in Westminster is not necessarily going to change mm. uh, the face of digital skills in, in local areas. Mm. Um, so the local digital skills partnerships, uh, uh, the idea is is that people come together, and I think, you know, I, I, I you'll be pleased to know that I talk about um, Sheffield Digital as being like a real good practice um, of where... that, but, but it's about that cross-sectoral coming together, and, and yeah. I think that... Um, that quite often people are in silos yeah. And, yeah. I, and actually for digital skills, you know, some of that is about talent and trying to attract talent into the city or about growing your own talent. But some of it is also about the bread and butter of my work around digital inclusion and making sure that nobody's left behind. And then the digital skills and the local digital skills partnerships are about all levels of digital skills at all ages. Mm. Um, and so there's an element of how do you, you know, how do you eat the elephant? And obviously the answer is bite by bite. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that each local digital skills partnership, um, we're hoping we'll have a plan. Um, so the first thing is to have a big tent, bring as many different partners in as possible, to have a plan of what's the priorities for those people in that partnership and how is that then going to be delivered? Um, there are 
two pilots have already started um one in um the heart of the southwest so that's kind of gloucestershire devon area um and one in lancashire mm. um and then there's a third one's been announced in the uh, west midlands combined authority area and then there's going to be another uh, three or four um and you know i'm put my cards on the table here i would really love sheffield and south yorkshire to be part of that yeah mm. so so we were involved in some conversations a while ago at the the lep level around we should absolutely be going for a pilot and it didn't seem to go anywhere. Yeah. And the, I, the question I have is, what can Sheffield Digital do to get that emotion? How, yeah. how, what What is it that the the regional policymakers? What's stopping them from putting their hat in the ring? And how can we support and encourage them? so that we get the opportunity to do a pilot because there's so much good practice in the city and in the city region already, so much that we could build on and scale. It seems really stupid that we're not grasping this one. Yeah, and I would say just talk to the LEP again. I think just make sure you get the LEP in the room and the city region um, and that um, there's no real blueprint for the pilot other than... um, uh, there's a local digital skills uh, p- partnerships playbook um, that we're creating, uh, co-creating in in on Google Docs in, oh, in, right. in the open. Um, and there's a there's a sort of six step model about creating a vision, doing some research. So look at that model, and then everything else is really up f- up to you. And I would say that it's a it's a good pilot to focus on what's happening in Sheffield. Um, and to say that do more in Sheffield, have that local digital skills partnership badge, bid for some money because the money is for a coordinator who would then coordinate this activity. And for the other parts of the city region or the LEP region could then all benefit from that. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that obviously all the best practice in South Yorkshire will be in Sheffield, but obviously that... Uh, the the way in which the sectors work together and have come together mm-hmm. in Sheffield, I think is a really good model for for other places mm-hmm. um, if it's happening or not happening. But you know, you'll have other things happening in in other areas, other other parts in South Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, and I would just say, yeah, you know, I would really love Sheffield um, to um, get some of this money and to be one of one of those six mm. um, and I can say that because I won't have I won't be on the um, I don't think I'll be on the application <laughs> we haven't got you in our corner <laughs> oh no. no but I think though that I mean um, Chris has been along to we've been hosting creative summits yeah. and yeah. Um, Rob from the council yeah. has been along and 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 has, has written a blog um, so I think that it's also about keeping that visibility you know Mm. keeping that visibility of what's happening in Sheffield um so that uh it can be a role model uh because a big part of what will make the partnership successful because these are supposed to be sustainable partnerships that drive digital skills for an area is that it's got to be organic in that way you know in the way that you've done it here yeah well I mean it's it's such a it's obviously it's a hugely broad topic yeah. Especially to say it covers everything from inclusion to, mm. you know, PhD and, you know, research, you know, com- computer science end and mm. professional skills and everything in between. Um, and so, you know, we, we've, we've done a fair bit of mapping around um, what provision is available and, you know, we could 
we, we should do some some more and identify where the gaps are we've got a fair idea of where a lot of the gaps are um but it also f- seems to me to fit into the dot chef model of cross-sectoral yeah. engagement as well so um obviously there was the way the domain model was laid out there was a there was a split between digital inclusion and, and tech and education and advanced digital skills that, that, that were part of the economy yeah um but the way that the the people domain has kind of shaped out now with uh with Ross Davis and Greg Fell leading that that agenda uh and focusing it on, on in- inclusion and uh welfare and health and well-being there's an education piece there's a there's a digital skills piece that is sort of floating in the model a bit and i think actually we should probably split it out and and develop a local digital skills partnership as part of the dot chef model as its own domain well because uh, and, and dot chef provides the perfect umbrella for it, does, it doesn't yeah, absolutely. it because then it as the other domains start to build out it links it into links them, them as well in. yes exactly yeah. so yeah. and how do you think um the rest of the city region can take part in that or is it more about role modeling and then potentially have a dot barnsley or dot doncaster or well, I mean, certainly Barnsley are engaged in in Dot Chef already. Um, you know, they've 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 come along to things, and I think there's things that we can learn from Barnsley work because they've had because they're yeah. a smaller community. They've had the opportunity to pilot some stuff, test some stuff that hasn't been done in Sheffield yet. So I think there's cross fertilisation there. I'd love to see a lot more engagement from Rotherham um, and Doncaster as well, and. You know, and then we get into the the hinterlands of the city region and, and the more rural areas. Um, I acknowledge there are all sorts of um, challenges yeah. around that. I think there's there's always this tension, isn't there, between oh, you know, Sheffield's the city, Sheffield attracts all the attention, everything goes to Sheffield. What about the rest of us? Mm. But at the same time, if you have a city in your region, and therefore you have that density of people and businesses and expertise why not capitalize on Mm. that rather Mm. than kick against it all the time so i think this is a really good opportunity to engage the lap and to the city region into what you're doing here yeah on Mm. this i mean this particular agenda is obviously very important to them because it's Mm. why they commissioned the digital action plan yeah you know a big chunk of that was about evidence for the skills piece yeah um yeah. So uh, there's and there's still an open question about how what how much of the action plan actually sh- is informing their policy on on skills, particularly digital skills. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think that policy has really been developed as yeah, as far as it right. should have been yeah. in and, the last couple of years. And but. thinking about you know our you know Good Things Foundation, our, our bread and butter is the kind of combination of inclusion and people with technology. Mm. You've also got things happening in the region such as Doncaster's a uh, opportunity area. So that's a Department mm-hmm. for Education opportunity area. It's basically been highlighted that more could be done to help. Um, help the area as a whole but particularly young people and children in schools and so that you know this isn't just about digital skills to become developers or digital skills Mm. to be able to you know move from never having used the internet to having used it this is actually about creating a a mindset change about what how does digital feature for young people in the skills agenda but also in the careers agenda um and that you know 
I know they're doing some work in Doncaster and I know they have an ambition that um, digital should form part, should run through their their plan for the opportunity era. And I think that would be really cool to have a, a local digital local digital skills partnership that kind of combine com, combines these different um, uh, policy areas mm. um, because that digital skills you know, and digital, it's not a vacuum. It doesn't no. just exist, does it? It's like, for what purpose? Yeah. You know, and actually, we want Sheffield to be a thriving city. We want everyone in the city to be included. We want, um, in, in and to be able to take um, advantage of, of any economic prosperity that we can drive with this. Um, but we also want the rest of the city region to, to benefit as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the Sheffield City region only works as a metro area. You know, that's the idea is that every, you know, everyone's galvanised, you know, yeah. the whole 1.4 million people or whatever it is that, yeah. that cover the metro area. And we're, I mean, we're called Sheffield Digital because you couldn't be Sheffield City Region Digital. <laughs> so, and when we talk about it, it's always Sheffield yeah. and the surrounding area. Yeah. And that's can be as far as you want to go, really, until you bump into another one. Uh, so... Yes, we hope the name doesn't put people yeah. off. Yeah, well, I think, I think I mean, I have seen a tweet um, from someone in Barnsley saying, you know, that we shouldn't be doing Dot Chef, we should be doing Tech Town. And I think mm. there's, a, mis there's an, a, a misperception of what Dot Chef is and how it's really an information platform to, to surface all of the different things that are going yeah. on and give people a way of engaging with it. Yeah. And so it's not about owning it. It's not about saying, you know, we want... We're gathering everything together so that it come falls under our umbrella. It's not a top-down hierarchical public sectory kind of initiative thing. It's it's a network. Yeah, um, well, that's and that good. network needs yeah. to, needs to be able to to have somewhere where it can um, communicate what's going on within the network, and that's mm -hmm. the, the, that's what we're trying to create. Yeah. Um, so, so that you're saying there's funding available for a coordinator for one of the six pilots, um, and that's DCMS money for a period of time yeah so um i think <laughs> digging into the nitty-gritty yeah i think money, there's money <laughs> i think something will come out um at some point i'm not sure i think i think they're saying autumn but okay. it, it might be fairly soon but this is why i'd say talk to the talk to the lep um, yeah. because I think that will come out through the LEP network. Okay. Um, and uh, that, uh, so DCMS Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport very much see that that uh, LEP network sh should form part of all of the pilots. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that just, just I think just talk to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So. so, and coming back to Good Things <laughs> Foundation... <laughs> What are your priorities over the next couple of years? Well, I'm nothing if not ambitious. So, um, <laughs> so we have a target to reach 3 million people by 2020 and we'll definitely smash that. Um, so then it's like, what's the next 3 million and should we be more ambitious and more aggressive about those targets? Um, and, and on the digital inclusion piece that, you know, obviously we're doing a lot, other people are doing a lot as well, um, but just for the UK, it's just not going fast enough. So there's, there's um, 
a lot that we should be doing to make sure that government and corporates in particular are investing more. They're benefiting a huge mm. amount. You know, the mm. digitizing of public services, the digitizing of, of, of um, commercial services, the death of the high street, you know, and then we still have 11.3 million people in this country who can't use the internet, you know, so that, that there's, a, there's a mismatch there. So that's number one. Number two is big, big social challenges that we've got where digital really isn't playing a part. I mean, health is a big one for mm. us, mental health, health prevention, um, creating a, a way in which we can get right into the heart of communities and reach people um, before they get sick. Um, so we've got some really great work already happening there, but also looking at other areas such as food poverty. I mean, ultimately, obviously, poverty and uh, helping people to have better lives and driving their overall prosperity, but their food prosperity, their job prosperity. Um, and and the money they've got in their pocket and then number three has to be you know so where next is that you know I'm not saying for a moment that we've done Australia and Kenya and we've still got big plans for year two in both those countries but um, that uh, as Chris said earlier we've got the digital tools we've got the platforms we've got the assets we've also got a really great blended model about working in a collaborative way with communities and with community organisations and that it looks like that it has legs in other countries and so then looking at what other countries then might like to play that game with us it's fantastic mm. and i mean you're, you're based in here you're based in sheffield you've been based here since you moved here for learn direct um are you confident that you can support that kind of worldwide network and that your global expansion plans and everything else being based here yeah given what we've got definitely i think um that like I said we have 61 people working for us in Sheffield and that they're all amazing so um, we definitely have fabulous people absolutely sharing that mission and working incredibly hard to mm. make it a reality and actually doesn't technology make it easier you know like I said when we set up in Sydney I mean the worst thing about that wasn't about not being able to talk to colleagues it was the time scales mm. I mean the time zones is like yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like the, especially in the winter time when it's 11 hours difference that's hard but um but like the technology makes that really easy you can share you know recently we were doing all of our end of year uploads of data with the um, government in Australia and we just had a Slack channel and we actually were benefiting. We had we have someone in Sydney and we had someone in Sheffield. They were working 24 hours around the clock, basically. Right, yes. You know, they were just like putting on their Slack, like what they'd done that day. They'd have a quick um, hangout in the morning just to hand over. And then in the UK, off, off we went. And, and then at the end of the day, we'd do exactly the same. I mean, you know, why could you not do that in Sheffield? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing is actually right now is we can't recruit developers. Yeah. yeah. So so, you know, is, I think, you know. That's your limiting factor. And you're recruiting at the moment, aren't you? You've yeah. got open positions. Yeah, yeah. We've got um, two open positions in our in our digital team. And that, um, and actually nothing's slowing down. So even though I'm talking about other countries, but it, like we have so many more contracts coming. We have so many people just coming to us and saying, we want to put digital inclusion as, in the heart of our corporate social responsibility strategy and we want to work with you to do that. So, you know, it's not slowing down. Yeah. And, like we've only got two, uh, we've got two vacancies now, but I'm sure we're going to have more in the future. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I just think it's really sad that we're an amazing mission-led charity that's kind of having impact all over the world on millions of people's lives yeah. and we can't get some people who want to work for us. I think a lot of it is 
first of all about people knowing more about what you do and mm. hopefully having this conversation has helped with that and uh, as you pointed out there just aren't enough developers anywhere yeah. it's, it's not yeah. just a Sheffield problem it's an everywhere problem do you have any thoughts about what we should be doing as a region to address that issue well we because we're a learning organization as well as a digital organization is that um I I think that once we're over this initial hump that we as an employer uh, will be looking at things like apprenticeships and that actually we we think we've we've grown some great talent in-house already mm. um you know we've got a chap who came from he came as a university placement student and he's still with us we had someone else who came as a university placement student and she stayed with us a few years and then she's moved on to work for the bbc um but you know it's the actually growing our own talent mm. i think is a really important um thing to do um and that uh so i, I think that we can do that um I, you know, I, I think, and I think this is put back to the digital skills partnership piece, though, as well, is that that there's so many people um, who are in already working. You know, like if you're 40 now, you'll mm. probably work for 30 years. But how many 40-year-olds are thinking about changing careers? Switching, and yeah. how many 40-year-olds currently have a job they hate but who would be a, a fabulous developer and a great developer? And I think that, actually, if that was the one thing that I would want policymakers to do or local digital skills partnerships or whatever to do is actually yes young people are really important but actually you know let's get the curriculum right let's get the motivation right let's get the careers advice right but hopefully that ought to just crank the handle and that ought to happen i mean yeah. obviously there's no evidence it's happening yet so mm. i'm not saying that's easy mm. but you know what about all those people yeah. who could you know quickly be turned around you know there's great boot know camps in yeah. manchester and london but you have to pay six thousand pounds ten thousand pounds to take part in that yeah. and that's not what an average 40 year old who hates their job is currently is going to be doing how do they know they've got the aptitude you know let's do something about career changes you know that would be great if we could really start that in sheffield and that movement really start here mm. and you know, there must be so much untapped talent in the city yeah yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, some employers do subsidize the boot camps, don't they? Pay half. So, um, you know, student pays half, future employer pays half. Uh, but, you know, there's got to be a certain confidence there that the person's going to be good enough yeah. when they're going to graduate. I think there needs to be, I mean, if, if I don't have a concrete example, I'm just imagining, but if you imagine someone who gets offered a redundancy package yeah, and wants to make a change, but they don't want to straight away commit £6,000 worth of that to to do a North Coders package or, or, or some other one. Um, is there a way to give them uh, an opportunity to put a toe in the water and, you know, do a taster that, yeah. you know, only costs a little bit and either think, yeah, actually, this is totally for me. I really want to do it. Or, okay, maybe not. But in the process of doing that taster, I've had an opportunity to get some advice and some guidance. And someone has said to me, okay, you're not really cut out for this, but it sounds like you'd be an awesome tester yeah. or you'd be an awesome yeah. UX person or something like that. Yeah. And just open up those opportunities, which are completely invisible. Yeah. You know, and I've said this before, those of us working in tech, know all this stuff and think oh there's all these amazing jobs but if you're not in the industry you just don't know what the opportunities are and we need to make those much more visible to people yeah, I think that's a great idea a weekend yeah have a weekend boot camp 
which is about making, giving people a taste of it, talking about different careers. And you could showcase UX and testing and everything yeah. else as well. Just, and just have a huge, you know. Have a little, yeah. a little try it. Try it before you buy it yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Build, build something. Spend two days building something. Yeah. Get a team to build something with other yeah. people participating yeah. in I, what yeah. they're doing to see. I do think, though, that there roles. is an image problem a bit. And I think Good Things Foundation, I think we suffer from this slightly. I, I think that we're not necessarily seen as being you know techy enough to be a digital organization we're not actually seeing them but I, but by all the kind of social um by the kind of big charities and and social inclusion charities we're seen to be a digital organization yeah. <laughs> and that and that actually that um I'm, I'm a great one for kind of trying to break down those stereotypes and break down those um those silos because my worry would be if you had a weekend you'd get all the kind of same people who thought it was all cool and groovy and and turning up but actually how do you break that down and how do you i mean and obviously we have access to the online centers network in sheffield um there are um, 35 of them around the city you know we could see if they wanted to send people unemployed or or people might be interested in career changing and for them to to spread the news out mm. in their communities and, and with their contacts because I think otherwise if we don't try and bring these worlds together we're not really going to make any change we might help a few people to make a decision if it's for them or not but maybe they were already on the verge yeah. of that and that's not really about the kind of culture change that we really need to be pushing through I don't think yeah, yeah. I agree well, it's been great talking to you Alan. yeah really oh, good really conversation awesome. thanks for coming along my pleasure Right, I am back with a microphone and some Hurrah. news. <laughs> uh oh, that was, that was really nice to uh, to sit and listen to you. It's a really a really interesting conversation. Um, people are going to like it. Um, so they've just uh, listened to it. Yeah, I know people liked it. <laughs> you I, I, will like it, or you will have liked it. Oh gosh, time warp time. I automatically know that you've just enjoyed your previous <laughs> half an hour or so. This is media savvy. <laughs> Um, okay, so this week on um, on the Sheffield Digital blog, we we had a, a guest post uh, from uh, Rowan Hall. Um, she's a she's a, a, a mature student um, in Sheffield. Um, she's also worked in Sheffield for for several years. Um, yeah, she's she do all the content and social media and web for for Creative Sheffield. And, yeah, yeah, she's a. And she's 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 freelance now. She she's a uh, reason I hesitate was because she specifically wanted to focus on the fact that she was a mature student because she was you know passionate about this particular subject. Okay, um, but I'm sure she won't mind us uh, giving that a little plug as well. Um, so she's um, she's researching the, the basically the, the co-working scene in, in Sheffield, um, and uh, and before we kind of talk about that in general, she's actually got a survey. So I'm going to put a link to the blog post in the in the show notes. And um, it would be great that if you work in a co-working space at all in Sheffield, whether it's once a week, less, well, that's one of the questions, um, <laughs> um, or, or every day, then it would be, we really urge you to go and, um, uh, and fill that in. Um, but um, yeah, what, anything you guys well, want to I say? I think it's incredibly timely because we've, we're seeing there's been like a mini explosion mm. of co-working space just over the summer. Uh, and that's going to continue but having input into how that's shaped and having some actual research rather than just anecdotal us wittering on about what we think is happening mm. having some some real hard data about that is going to be so useful and knowing that it's 
someone has seen that as being important enough and, and is interested enough in it to want to do that as a, is it she doing a master's degree? I yeah. think, yeah. So to make that the subject of her master's degree and really focus in on that, I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, and, and her blog post, is, which is say it's not really the, the survey bit is is kind of she just mentions it at the end. Of course, that is kind of the key call to action. Yeah. But I, I just found it a, a really interesting post. And yeah, she's yeah. sharing a lot of what she's already learned in the blog post. Yeah, so it's a really yeah. interesting read. Yeah. So um, and and one of the things I found interesting was yes, we're it, this there is uh, something of a of a spike in in either popularity or just places for people to to work but the fact that that is actually we're a bit late uh in Very. that, in that yeah. yeah yeah what what was the particular reason for that what is it what do you think oh that's god that's a really good question i think partly it's because other cities got confident about commercial redevelopment much faster than sheffield did mm. so for a long time most of the development in the city was around uh, the universities and student um, facilities and accommodation. Mm -hmm. And then the commercial office space offer found its feet and people were able not just to put buildings up, but fill them, perhaps even faster than they'd expected after we had a, a, a period for a while when there was office space just sitting empty for ages and yeah. ages and ages and people were like Big going, period. what's going on? And then suddenly something happened. I don't know what, something happened and that turned around. And then... Yeah, they announced the HS2 station. It could, could well uh, be part yeah, of it. Yeah, factor, yeah, it? That's, that's really interesting. It hadn't occurred to me, but yeah. Um, and then... What came on the back of that was, well, that kind of space is good for certain sorts of businesses and certain sorts of ways of working, but there's this other part of the puzzle that's missing and other developers have proved that if you build it, they will come in London, in Manchester, you know, in Leeds, in Hull, in Newcastle. They were showing it was work working and it just needed a few people here to go, well, if we can make it work there, then we can make it work in Sheffield. Mm. And it's that sort of snowball effect. We just needed one or two. And then suddenly we were getting requests from com co-working companies in mm -hmm. London wanting yeah. to come and meet Sheffield Digital to understand what's the local scene like, which said to me, oh, look, people are starting to pay attention. It's tricky, isn't it? Because, you know, is the demand there? It's really hard. It's hard to aggregate demand. It's hard to, it's hard to measure demand. Um, but you know, it, without there being the right kind of spaces for people to go and use, they don't, they stay yeah. in their bedrooms and home offices and, and cafes and cafes. If that's what they do. Yeah. Shed, um, sheds. Sheds. Yeah. yeah. Let's hear it for the shed yeah. men. Yeah. Uh, or, or the, or, you know, the, the, women can have sheds too. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, <laughs> I, as soon as I said that, I thought, and women, and women. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's very kind of it's, it's a very close community, I guess, in some respects in Sheffield as well. So lots of people kind of squat in other people's offices. Um, so I think it, it took that, and I think it also took, you know, th th there's a, there's a different um, philosophy around urban redevelopment now than there was um, even just a few years ago, mm -hmm. where instead of zoning different parts of the city off, you know, for retail and for entertainment and for for business and for res residential. Um, the the trend is much more towards mixed use yeah. and mixed neighbourhoods. You know, live, work, play. You know, within a short distance, mm. um, coffee shops, food, and then um, so. 
co-working is seen as a way of activating buildings now and it didn't used to be so yeah. you know you build a new office building and you put a co-working space on the ground floor to activate the building and you and you you have a cafe and you have you know meeting space and and stuff like that and i think that's you know sheffield has quite a lot of good building stock for doing this um and we had the trendsetters you know we the union street really kind of set the trend of what to do in a in a in a building that was under compulsory purchase because uh, it's part of the uh, um you know the heart of the city redevelopment area and the roco you know andrea's um uh creative um hub and co-working space up mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. And now we've got big players like Spaces moving in and taking over two floors of Acero. Uh, obviously, Collider's being built out, um, Cooper Lounge and what um, Tom's mm -hmm. done it. And then everything that's going down at Kellam Island and all, just yes, blows my that, mind. Yeah. How fast that's just exploded down there and how much. And all those beautiful old buildings and, and moving all being brought back you know, into out, use, yeah. out along Shalesmore and Neepsend. And just it's like every week you hear about another new space being brought back to life it's yeah. just so i mean that we're talking about the timeliness of, of rowan's research i mean i know from having spoken to several um you know you spoke to, to spaces earlier this week we've just been speaking to nick morgan at collider uh, i spoke to um uh i've got his name matt hill at, um uh, union street a couple of weeks ago um you know the, the the market is the demand is there there's there's general belief that the demand is is, is much higher than we're really seeing yet um and all of those spaces are, are full mm. uh, obviously spaces in have, have just launched so they're they're still developing their yeah, offer yeah. um but there, there's a general desire from all of these operators to not tread on each other's toes to provide something that's slightly different to be part of an ecosystem of co-working um and so you know, to get research, independent research like this, that is going to be shared amongst the people that, op that, that operate these these places is is, uh, is going to be really useful. It's going to really help them understand where they should target their offer yeah. and, and, and what people really want from these spaces. Yeah, so like Ian said, you know, if, if you use co-working space at any kind of level and have got any views on it, it's really worth taking the time to do row and survey um, because that's that's going to help shape the offer into what you need it to be. And the more closely the offer in the city is aligned to what the demand actually is, the more successful it's going to be all round and the more confident providers of space are going to be about the market that's there and the demand that's there. And, and we also kind of want to mention that this is, this is a really good example of the kind of guest post that we'd really love to see more of on the Sheffield Digital site. Yeah. Um, absolutely we do we do have guest posts and um and we have published them before but um and i, I understand why this happens because it's difficult not to but it can often feel it can often be a challenge to make it not a very, like a promotional thing for yeah. the either the company usually the company or the person that's writing it and you have to it's a balance for us editorially but also what we'd really love is people to write about sheffield and yeah. and obviously their involvement and 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 uh, you know if it's a project that uh, a company or a person is working on great <laughs> but the focus of those pieces um the way that Rowan did it was kind of perfect it was all about Sheffield but you know it was very much her voice and her 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 research and her call to action yeah. all that yeah kind so of thing. But basically we're saying you know we, we really want more get more guest blog posts um because you know we want to be want to be a platform for people to exactly to, to, to talk about and promote things that they're involved in and, yeah. and 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 this kind of thing yeah um but could you please write as well as rowan does because uh, 
you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Otherwise, it's loads of work. Well, no, but, time to but do. what I was going to say, is, what you know, but well, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you here, Chris. Um, if if you've got a really good idea or something that you're passionate about or you really want to share, and but you're not sure about how to go to turn that into a blog post, then please reach out to us and yeah, we, we will help, help you with that um, because that's we want people to use our platform. We want want to share all the great stuff that's going on in the city. And, you know, you don't have to be an expert content producer in order to put an idea forward. And, you know, we will take the time to work with you and, and make it as be as good as it can be. Yep. We have or writers. I will, even if Chris won't. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have writers, we have content producers. There's some guy sitting opposite me called Ian who's quite good at this stuff as well. Um. I'll just let that go. Just let that settle. <laughs> not question it. Um, the next uh, Sheffield Women in Tech event is is happening, but not on the date we mentioned in the previous episode. No, so, I note. so we've put it back a week. So the next Sheffield Women in Tech event is on Wednesday, the 22nd of August. Um, we'll be in the Collider K1 space again at Barker's Pool from, I think it's 5.30, but uh, I'll double check. Um and the purpose of that event is to bring everyone together again to reflect on the ideas that were raised at our first event and to really pin down what it is that this group is going to be and the sorts of things we're going to do, the sorts of events that we're going to put on, how it's all going to work. So it's a great opportunity to come and shape the future direction of what Chef Wit will be. But as always, it will be a lovely opportunity just to meet people and chat. There will be refreshments and uh, nibbles and good times. So grab your ticket now. Uh, I think we're about half sold. So grab your ticket fast. Okay. Um, a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and you two have been at uh, Collider just this very day. We got to do the high vis and hard hats thing. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo! That was good fun. So, like, like conservative politicians. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> yeah, we've got like, you know, said banned promo photos. Yeah. In the high no, we haven't. Yeah, you you were taking photos, did, yeah. which I haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you, you, I'll let you vet them, and then uh, and then I'll put them up on a blog post or something. Yeah, just to give people an idea of just how much space there is oh, and what state it's in. It's so huge. So, Chris and I got our first tour around there nearly eighteen months ago. Yeah, now, yeah. and even then, we were blown away by just how big, and the space is a lot clearer now. Mm. It doesn't feel like it's come on a whole way <laughs> but then when you look at yeah. what a huge job they've got to turn that building they've had to strip around. a lot out yeah it's been massive but it's going to be amazing yeah. it really is and we got the the basement to ceiling tour yeah. this morning didn't we yeah. um so yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure how much we can talk about it. Well, really. I was just going to say... Uh, we, I'm going to put some photos up. We can talk about the, grand, like, the the food area yeah, because can, that's yeah. all out there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's all yeah. public, yeah. yeah. Well, can I ask, we've talked about it in the context of like co-working spaces quite a yeah. lot. Mm. Are there going to be um, um, spaces for companies to move into yes. or even like small like micro-business, like two or three people? Yes. Is there going to be different sized yeah, areas? Yeah, it, it's, it's got the the tiered offer. So it's got everything from occasional co-working to more regular you know I always go here yeah. to work co-working to grow on space 
So offices, I mean, Nick was talking about offices that would go from sort of two or three people up to Four. 10 wow. and then oh, yeah. and then cool. a bigger jump. Mm. Um, there's also, we know that the, the National Video Games um, Arcade, arcade yeah. is going to be there and the British Gaming Institute. Institute. Um, and there's he was talking about the sorts of plans that they have for the space that they'll be taking. Um, there's going to be lots of opportunity for all sorts of people to come in and be involved in activities and interact with staff. Um, there's going to be amazing food. <laughs> so the vision is very, very exciting. Bringing it to life is still a big challenge yeah. and it will come, it will definitely come in phases but Nick was saying that uh, the food area is supposed to be up and running. End of October. End of October. Yeah. The games thing around about the same time as well. Yeah, following month. Yeah. And then after that, there isn't as yeah. much of a clear timescale. But no. it's certainly... They need to activate it from the bottom up, essentially. Yes, yeah. Um, so, I, but I guess the... There's still questions over what's going to be on the middle two floors. Mm. The top floor um, is going to be the Barclays Eagle Lab. Yeah. Um, and but essentially they're, they're making spaces available, and then then looking for for partners, sponsors, consortia to to run their operations out of there. And those you know those might be incubators or might be accelerators. Um, and so how they then divide that space up internally is kind of up to whoever, you know, lets that space. Yeah, and something that came through to me very clearly from walking around and talking with Nick today was that they want to shape the offer around how people want to use the space, yeah. not shape the space and then and tell people this is what you've got to fit into. And I think that's that's unusual and that's a really great opportunity. And I was really happy that... Chris and I got the opportunity to go and walk around and chat and hear more about what they're thinking and know that there's an open door there now, mm. whereas we weren't as sure about that before. No. So, so that well, makes that, me happy. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's enough that's now set mm. to be able to say, these are the parameters. Yeah. This is, this is where we're going to maintain flexibility depending on who wants to go in there. Mm. Um, and, you know, those deals might be a year, two years, five years, wh whatever. I mean, they've, the, their contract, this Collider is a 15 year contract yeah. with, the, with the council. So, um, so yeah, there, there's, as Nick, I think mentioned at one point, every time you go in there, there's like, there's another space or another room that you hadn't really <laughs> thought about, you know, it's, it's an incredible warren. Yeah. Uh, even though, I mean, the main floors are all stripped out and there's just these big echoing spaces in there. There's, yeah. It, around, the, around the edges and the stairwells, there's little yeah. nooks and... And they're, they're doing really good things. Like they're, where there are windows, they're making them bigger yeah. because, you know, one of the issues in the building yeah, is lighting. like it's half light and half dark. But then they're thinking about, okay, if we have a dark side of the building... Who needs dark yeah. and who might go in there? Um, so, you know, starting to think about the real breadth of the industry. And, and yeah, it's it's very encouraging. Very, yes. very encouraging. Yes. Yeah, and on, on the on the co-working space side, um, they're looking to make space available for co-working, but I don't think they're necessarily going to run the co-working. Um, but they're, they're looking to have a membership scheme where you get different 
tiers of co-working um but really it's the there's basic sort of drop in co-working on the food hall level which is going to be quite noisy and the you know there's going to be it's going to be quite, quite open, a lot of traffic, quite yeah. a lot of, of, of throughput, but yeah. it's it's a place that you know on the, at the quieter end of that of that large space, um, but it's also there as an opportunity for people to run workshops and to do kind of outreach and engagement stuff with with families around games, around electronics and. Mm. Th- things like that so so it's going to be a much more um vibrant flexible space and, and a real seven day a week building a, rather yeah, a real, than a monday to friday that's right. yeah um but then there's going to be kind of more professional co-working um further up in the building mm. um at a, at a slightly higher rate um, yeah and uh, an amazing event space yeah which we need in this city center so badly um just just one or is this like a, a well more than one different sizes that kind of thing I, th- I think it's that's also you know nick has ideas and was talking about what he hopes to make happen and how to make it as flexible as possible mm. um and again was interested in in input and thoughts yeah. about how that would work but for me it was just really great to see that there would be another flexible space but sufficiently large for the because we've got a situation in the city now where events that have started off quite small are out, all outgrowing their space, whether it's, you know, from a, a successful meetup through to taking something like Sheffield Design Week and reinvigorating that or attracting conferences that are held elsewhere mm. to come and be held in Sheffield. And we've never really had anywhere to put them unless you go into a university. Uh, but now maybe we we'll, we will have a really cool trendy well-serviced well-catered space that can flex to to be whatever we need it to be so yeah but big enough for for a you know medium-sized event i mean not like crucible size but you know um, but also big enough for expos showcases you know other types of yeah of engagement yeah (laughs) great sounds exciting Mm. Um, and the last item before we talk about events and uh, and uh, and uh, members and that kind of thing is the college apprenticeships appeal, which sounds like we might be doing a telethon. Yes, but we're but we're not. But I wanted to flag this up because um, the college has 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 gone gone the distance of creating the first their first intake of, of software developer apprenticeships they ran the two-week boot camp which was really successful they have seven really good candidates and they are having trouble finding employers for these candidates and i just wanted to put the word out there and remind everybody out there that this this is a thing now there are these good candidates uh they're going to be put through a really good program uh this this doesn't require you to put your hands in your pockets and fish out loads of money because the funding is really good. And if employers don't engage, then the college will have difficulty justifying doing it again. So it's not like use it or lose it time. But even if you're an employer and you're thinking, I do want to do this, but not right now, but I definitely do want to do this, then please engage with the college. If you've tried to engage with the college and they've not got back to you, then let me know and I can re reignite that. How do we let you know? 
just email me, Slack me, tweet me. <laughs> All the usual so channels. Mel at Sheffield.digital. Mel at Sheffield.digital and say, yes, I want to engage with the college around apprenticeships. And if you think you'd like to see the CVs of the candidates, then again, let me know and I can make sure that the people at the college get that sorted out for you. But it would be a huge shame. We've come so far with it uh, in a really short period of time yeah. and employers were really, really engaged in shaping it. But if we can't offer these great candidates opportunities, that's a lot of effort that won't bear fruit. And I was totally wrong about that being the last item. <gasps> Ian? Um, I saw, I just skipped right by, <laughs> skip right by the, uh, the Brexit conversation. <laughs> I just saw the word and just skipped right by. Uh, DCMS Brexit meeting. This is something that you were both at, is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah, we were there yesterday, lunchtime. We were. Yep. So... Uh, so DCMS, uh, the Department for Digital Media. Culture, Media and Sport. Sport. <laughs> um, uh, they're, they're, they're hosting um, some kind of discussions uh, with tech companies and bodies that represent the tech industry um, to get feedback and input on the government's uh, post-Brexit relationship with Europe white paper that came out last month mm. um and you know there's a bunch of dcms policy people based here in sheffield and so they invited people from all over the north really mm -hmm. to, to have a, a a conversation about this yesterday um so there was you know, um kirstie gallagher from manchester digital was there there was um you know people there from newcastle jen was there from newcastle yep. uh hull yeah um and uh, people from the Flow and from uh, Mondo Bank, Atom Bank. Atom, was it Atom? Was yeah. It Atom? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just basically talking, uh, a bit, getting people's response to what the government have laid out, um, and you know, <laughs> there were there you were can opinions. see Chris's face right <laughs> now. <laughs> there were opinions. Um, but really, uh, it's the, the you know they they want engagement, and so so it's great that they came here to Sheffield yes. to do it. For one thing, it's great that we have people in Sheffield who who are directly involved in digital policy advice to DCMS and to the Cabinet Office, um, and you know we we want to work with them to provide more opportunities for for local tech businesses to to engage in this and 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 you know uh relay their thinking as you know as i'm sure businesses are thinking increasingly about the various you know contingencies um obviously you know there's, there's brexit in march next year and then there's the there's a transition period to 2020 um so there's, there's a bunch of parameter stuff that i think we and dcms could be communicating out better to give people an idea there's a there's a section in the white paper about digital specifically about their intention in terms of uh you know around areas like data and um and talent um but they also desperately want uh you know scenarios uh, they want scenario stories that they can relay to ministers because that's what has impact. Yeah. So either, you know, this is a part of my business that is going to be completely changed, destroyed, disrupted or enhanced by what the government is proposing. That's what they really want to know about. Mm. 
Yeah, it, um, it was interesting that the two big themes that we talked about a lot were data and talent mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, what the ramifications were of the white paper with relation to those two areas. Um, there was quite a lot of discussion about how thin the white paper is on detail. Uh, mm. it, it's as one of the people around the table pointed out, it's actually more of a green paper than a white one, except it's written on white paper. And I think that was a very astute observation. Um, I think it's important to remember that there is there are civil servants and then there are the politicians. Yeah. And they're they work in very different ways and the relationship is a very particular kind of relationship. And the people we had in the room were civil servants who are trying to do the best job they can do in what must be incredibly difficult circumstances. So there was a lot of very, very tippy-toey tight rope walking going on <laughs> about yeah. what they could say and couldn't say and how much of their own personal feelings they could let through. But the, the thing I certainly took away from it was if, if the tech industry wants to influence this conversation yeah. and be heard, the tech industry needs to come up with these specific examples, attention-grabbing uh, bits of storytelling that civil servants can take as evidence and stick under the noses of politicians and give them as ammunition for whatever side of the debate they want to talk about. Um, and they need to hear it direct from businesses. You know, it coming through an organisation like Sheffield Digital, we can be representative, but it's much more powerful as far as a politician concerns if it's an actual business. Yeah. So, yes, if you've got those stories, if you've got something that you want to say, then we can put you in touch with the people it needs to be said to. Yeah. Yes, and we'll probably have more on this over the next month or so mm. um, because, uh, you know, there's more of a conversation to be had and um, and I really want to, you know, to publish something that sh gives people a way of, engaging with that process yeah, um, yeah. and and you know and keeping dcms engaged as well because they've started the conversation here now and i want yeah. to keep it going yeah because i i learned yesterday that both manchester digital and um digital union in newcastle mm. in preparation for the meeting yesterday had actually surveyed some of their members and co collected hard data and that's not something that we had the resource to do but if we can do it more informally mm. then we can still feed that in Interesting. Thank you for that. So yes, that was it. That is all the uh, items on the list, apart from to tell you about some upcoming events. And we have quite a few. Thin on the ground in August, but um, I guess that's because it's school holidays and all that kind of thing. But uh, lots going on in September. Apart so Og Camp, which looks amazing. I didn't say there was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Just that not a as bit much. less. It's different. What there is, is incredible. <laughs> on the uh, 14th of uh of uh where are we what did i say august, august that's right um it's wordpress sheffield so by the time this comes out that will be very very soon um on the 18th and the 19th is og camp chris why are you so excited about og camp oh, just because it, um because it's a proper old school unconference partly because it's about um you know open technology um and because it, it you know it happens all over the country and they've chosen to come to Sheffield this year so I think it was in Canterbury last year 
Um, and it's going to be in Sheffield. So it's kind of a big national event that is coming to Sheffield and everybody who's geeky and is a bit of a loss for something to do at the weekend should go down and get tickets and get involved. I thought you were going to say everyone who's geeky and a bit lost. <laughs> but no, never. <laughs> Not lost. You've got Not lost. sat now. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the 22nd is uh, Sheffield Women in Tech. And then the 30th of August, Front End Sheffield. On the, uh, I like this, we're switching between. Absolutely. It's because kind of I could see you were tinkering with buttons on your laptop. So <laughs> I, I thought I'd fill while you did that. Whilst being attentive. Um, on the 3rd of September, so we're into September now, Things Network Meeting is the same day. In fact, is it, you can tell us, Chris, just before the Smart Sheffield meeting. It is, meeting. yeah. So five o'clock for Things Network and then the Smart Sheffield Meetup. From 6.30 till about 9. Mm. Tickets are selling well, I hear. They are, yeah. Um, there's, not, there's not that many of them. We've got space for about 40 people. I think there's about nine left. Um, and 13 people sign up for the Things Network meeting. So, all good. Um, mm. On the same day, it is DEFCON Sheffield. Yeah, so this is our, the first um, meeting of the new cybersecurity meetup in the city. Ah, so that's okay. really, really good. So hurrah. That that's happening. Uh, is there a potential? Well, there's definitely a date clash between that and Smart Sheffield, or is that something the two? I don't know. Have, have they decided to do it first Monday of the of the month? Is that what is that the plan? I don't know. Defcon guys, if you're yeah. out there, is there, is there an overlap in terms of the type of person that? Oh might well, get to? I mean, security is obviously always a massive be. part of yeah. Smart Sheffield, yeah. Smart um, Cities agenda. But um, next yeah, month, we'll see. have a chat. Well, we're, we're every two months, but we we were down for the month a month in the summer but we're back to probably an every two month schedule from september yeah. okay uh following day on the 4th of september it's the abc of iot ai blockchain and other cool tech uh that was all one event um on the same day again it's dotnet chef which is going to be with uh robin wood who we had as a guest a couple of yeah. episodes ago um on the 13th is um Data for Good, and they're going to be focusing on homelessness. Mm. Um, that's organised by the people from, by Tom and Tim from um, uh, Good Things Foundation, which you know all about now. Um, on the 18th of September, it's the Benchmark Business Breakfast, which is going to be about managing mental health, or it's a workshop about managing mental health. Um, on the 20th, it's Sheffield PHP. Um, on the 21st is the next Freelancer Friday. Have we got anything to say about, about that? Because uh, Yeah, Freelancer Friday is at the Cooper Lounge in Sheffield Technology Parks. Um, it's a ticketed thing, but Sheffield Digital members get a discount and you get to work in the Cooper Lounge for the day. Um, Tom at Tech Parts tries to arrange for some business advisors just to be around and available so if you do want to have to ch a chat with someone about your accounts or about something legal or about Recruiting. something hr there are people around to talk to you but it's not it's not compulsory and you don't have to book an appointment or anything um i try and be around mm -hmm. uh just for chats so it kind of you could start your day at geek brecky and then mosey on over to freelancer friday and then if there's enough of us around maybe go for a drink later late night Late night, late afternoon, late early evening, beersies. And pastries. Pastries, yeah. Tom usually lays on cakes. <laughs> Free pastries. That's why I got my ticket last time. <laughs> <laughs> it's an expensive pastry. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
where am I? The 27th is the, uh, is, well, Tech Nation on tour. So Tech Nation are visiting various cities and the nearest one to us is uh, Leeds. Mm. That's on the 27th. Uh, I'm hoping to go up to that. So if anyone wants to come along with me, that would be lovely. And also on the 27th, it's the next edition of Front End Sheffield. Um, and that's it. Geek Breakfast uh, every Friday mm-hmm. from 9am at Tampa. Memberships, we've had uh, just one member uh, uh, added since the last time we spoke on this uh, podcast. I suspect that's something to do with the summer slowdown and school holidays. Uh, but that's Josh Murray. Uh, it's become a, an individual member. But the, the the thing I think it's important to say, which we never do on, on the show, is that we have people renewing their memberships all the time, um, which is obviously great. So Yes, thank you very much for continuing to support us. That's amazing. Um, and of course, thanks to our sponsors, we have Owen Mitchell, Shorts, the Sheffield College, North Coders and Benchmark. And, um, and you should su- subscribe. Uh, you should definitely subscribe to the show. So uh, to do that, just go to Apple Podcasts and search for Sheffield Digital, um, or you can do it in whichever app you particularly fancy doing it in. Uh, and find out more at sheffield.digital slash podcast. And I think that's it. Thank you both. Thank you. ta